Welcome to the Century Church Podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Well, good morning, church. My name is Laura Wallace, and I'm the Executive Director of Ministries here at Century Church, and we are so glad that you were able to join us this morning. We're in a series called When God Doesn't Make Sense, and last week, Pastor Patrick had a powerful conversation with Steve and Debbie Deermeyer. They were able to share their story and share all about when God didn't answer their prayers. If you were not able to catch that, I really encourage you to go back and watch that from last Sunday. Now, this week, I have the honor and privilege of being able to sit down with Rebecca Matthews, and she's going to talk about today when God disappoints, or so we think. She's got an incredible testimony, and we are really excited about sharing it with you today. Earlier this week, I started to begin to prepare and to pray through our message for today, and I felt like God really spoke to me when I was in my daily time with Him. I was reading through John 9, and there's a powerful message about Jesus healing the blind man that I want to share with you today that I feel like is so powerful when we think about when God disappoints. So I want to read with you starting in chapter 9, verse 1, when Jesus talks about healing the blind man. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? So first of all, what really stuck out to me about this was that it was the custom back in the days that Jesus was living that people assumed that if there was a handicap or if there was some kind of illness or disease, that it was because of their own sin or the sin of their parents. So the first thing that stuck out to me was that the disciples wanted to know what sin was it? Was it the parent's sin or was it the man's sin? And that was the very first thing that came to their mind. But listen to what Jesus says. This is what was so powerful to me. Jesus doesn't see the sin. He sees the man. So Jesus says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind, so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent me, because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. So along with that, we see that this man was born blind and that the disciples wanted to know whose sin it was. But then we read the words of Jesus and see how powerful it is that what he saw was the man and that he saw the opportunity to be glorified through a situation. So then, as we look through the next thing, I want to just sit in the seat of the blind man for a moment. And that, as we talk about disappointment, this man faced so many different disappointments. Think about first being born blind. So not only has he never seen a sunset or a sunrise, he has never seen his parents' faces or loved ones around him. He has never seen the beautiful hillsides of Jerusalem. 
from and everything that he's experienced in his life. He's lived in this darkness. So I can't imagine the disappointment and the different things that he has experienced going through his entire life blind. Then you have the added thing of the shame that comes with knowing that he had to really live with the fact that people thought that his blindness was caused by sin. So I think about the disappointment in his life of one living an entire life of being blind and then also adding the shame of everyone around him that he encounters from his very birth looking back and blaming sin in his or his parents' life and what kind of serious disappointment that must have felt like. And so that just leads me into Rebecca's message and how um, powerful it is to be able to, you know, experience that disappointment, but then see what Jesus has to say about it. That Jesus doesn't see the sin. Jesus sees the man and Jesus sees the opportunity when he says he was born blind. So the power of God could be seen in him. And then he encourages us by saying, all of us must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent me because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. So as I was reading this passage this week, and I just was praying about this week, you can see why this man's story um, really hit me as we talk about disappointment in our lives. Rebecca, welcome. You have a powerful story that has been filled with disappointment through six miscarriages. And I just want to start off by asking you to share with us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Rebecca Matthews. I am married to Wright. We have been married for seven years now. And uh, when we decided to grow our family, it, we had trouble and uh, through two years of infertility and got pregnant with Jack, our three and a half year old, after one round of IVF. And um, in our attempt to give Jack a sibling and expand our family even more, we have run into uh, just a couple of years now of loss and uh, miscarriages. Like you said, we've got six babies in heaven. Uh, so that is the current uh, journey that we are walking right now. We are still in the middle of trying to expand our family. So, Rebecca, I wanted you to take us back to the disappointment that you felt over these last years and just what it was like to experience loss after loss and just the devastation that that meant for your family and for you personally. And just share with us um, what that's been like. I mean, I think that when you get married, you just assume that you're going to have some, you know, a few fun years. And then you're, when you want to get pregnant, you're just going to get pregnant and, you know, life is going to be perfect and wonderful. And, um, for some people it is, and that's not our story. Uh, we, we figured out, you know, relatively quickly that, uh, having a baby was going to be difficult for me. And, um, we went through lots of different uh, infertility treatment and, you know, tried to figure out what was going on. Uh, and essentially got no answer. And, um, and then we did IVF and got Jack and that was wonderful. Uh, but I, I was never prepared for the disappointment that came, uh, that has come in the past two years. Uh, I never would have imagined that 
my story would include one of miscarriages. Uh, I would say the hardest, most disappointing moment that I have had uh, came last August when we were pregnant again. And um, essentially we were told, you know, your baby has a heartbeat, but your baby's not going to live. And um, I was fresh off of another miscarriage that had occurred uh, in May. So um, we, you know, I knew like this, there's, there is no hope here. I will lose this baby. And uh, so I went to the doctor two days later and they said, well, you haven't lost the baby yet. There's still a heartbeat. So come back in two days. So that kind of went on for a while and the baby sort of just hung in there. And um, one day when I had come in from the doctor and I was told, you know, the baby isn't looking good, but it's still, its heart is still beating. Um, by the time you come back, the baby will be gone. And I came home and I was just in a really, really horrific place. Um, and I was in my kitchen cooking dinner and my husband came in from work. And I picked a fight with him, as we do when we're in tough moments. Uh, he he was the easiest person I could pick on because I knew that he was going to love me regardless of what uh, I was going through. And I basically threw a tantrum and I got in my car and I rode around Pike Road for a solid hour and sobbed and yelled at God and basically threw a temper tantrum for a solid hour just yelling at God and telling him why was he abandoning me? Why was he no longer here? I felt like I was doing everything the right way. And he just continued to, you know, be silent in my life. And, um, at the time I didn't know, but I would go on to lose four more babies after that. And, uh, it was just a, it was a really dark place. It's, it's very lonely and fertility is very lonely. And, um, it, it's also so disappointing to walk through something that your husband is experiencing in a completely different way. Um, and I, I reached out to one of my fertility nurses and asked her if there was a support group in Montgomery, women that I could get together with to discuss this, because unless you've really walked through it, it's a hard thing to relate to. And, um, and there was none, there was, there was no support group for me in Montgomery. Uh, thankfully I had church, but it was just a really dark, lonely time where I spent a lot of time in my bed and, you know, just really didn't do much of much. I spent most of 2019 cooped up in my room, feeling really sorry for myself. I'm so thankful for you being vulnerable just to share what it looks like in that dark place of disappointment. And um, I actually got to walk with you um, during the last um, loss of twins. And um, Rebecca and I are in a life group together, and um, we were absolutely thrilled in the spring when Rebecca came in, and, and Rebecca and Wright um, came in for a life group, and they had wanted to tell us in person and shared with our life group that um, they were actually pregnant with twins, and our life group just rejoiced, and we were so excited to be able to rejoice with them, but then quickly we knew that that um, meant that we had to 
um, be in prayer for y'all and during this time. And so that was a powerful moment in my life. We, we pulled Rebecca into the center of our life group at Century right there in the gym. Um, and we all laid hands on her and we honestly, as a life group, we begged for those babies' lives. I mean, we went around one at a time and we just asked God um, that He would um, keep them healthy and strong. And so um, I've walked through with you um, in this moment and then to, to feel and hear the devastation and just hurt for you guys as our friends when we found out that the twins didn't make it was just something I've never experienced before um, to hurt for a friend so deeply. And our whole life group was just grieving for you guys. And we were um, just, we just wanted to help and we wanted to try to take away that pain. But for us, it was a realization as a life group um, and in close friends that have just built some beautiful community together that there was nothing we could do. There was nothing we could say that would help or, or take away the hurt and the pain that you guys felt. And um, it was just a feeling of helplessness on my end. So I can't even imagine what you feel for it to actually be happening to you um, throughout and then multiple times over and over again, um, we just wanted to wrap our arms around you and just make it go away, but we couldn't. And I know that's where you have sat um, in, in this place for so long, you know, wanting to fix it because you're a fixer and yeah. you, um, you know, like to take care of things and, and to be able to be in a situation of such disappointment, but to know that there's really nothing you can do, um, but rest in, in God and, um, rest on his promises. And that's, um, the reason why, as we started to talk about as a staff, who we thought would be, um, great for this, that's why you were the first person to come to my mind because you have, um, in every conversation that I've had with you about your loss and about your disappointment, um, personally, when we've sat down and talked, there is always conversation about your morning quiet time. There is always conversation about how important your Bible reading is and how much it's meant to you. So I want you to share that part of your story. How has this disappointment impacted your faith journey and, and what that's looked like over the last couple of years with your um, just unbelievable disappointments? After my temper tantrum in the car in, in uh, August of last year, when I told God that he was silent in my life and how angry I was at him for being silent, um, I woke up the next morning and I had quiet time. And uh, basically, my quiet time that day was about when you feel like God's being silent. And if that didn't was not a smack in my face of him being like, I am here. And you may think I'm silent, but I'm not. And it's going to be, I'm going to tell you I'm not by showing exactly what you yelled at me about yesterday. Well, let's, let's walk through this together. And, um, and I love that you shared John 9, because that is the verse when you told me yesterday that we were going to be, that was going to be when she talked about, I got chill bumps. Because that is the verse that changed the complete trajectory of my disappointing walk through infertility and loss. And I woke up and I was, you know, doing my quiet time and, you know, about God, not, you know, 
when you feel like God's being silent and stuff like that. And then I opened my Bible to John nine and I read about the blind man and I thought, Oh my goodness. I have been saying, why me? Why me? Why me for so long? And I should be saying, why not me? What, what are you trying to show me in this God? Like, what is it that you want me doing? God is not a God of miscarriage. He's not a God of death. Like he, he's come to give us a good, happy life. He's faithful. So what he, I'm not having miscarriages just because like there's a purpose to this and it is to glorify him and to show that even when I'm walking through something that is so horrible, I can be joyful and I can find goodness in his plan, even when it's not aligning with what I think it should look like. So I started to say, you know, what do I need to be doing? And it just, I woke up every single day with this incredible peace and I would have my quiet time and listen to all these podcasts and just really started to, it changed my walk and I was prayer journaling and I love that I can look back and see where I was during these days. And, you know, it, it, I just went from saying like his, his ways, like it's like Isaiah 55, you know, his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. You know, I need to get to a place where I can say, okay, you're not, you're not giving me a baby right now, but I also don't need God is not Santa Claus. I can't just pray to him and say, Hey, I want, like, I want a baby. When are you going to give me a baby? So I had to even change my prayer life, praying for peace and contentment and his plan for my family, as opposed to just praying for a baby. And I mean, I think I started off every prayer in my prayer journal last year and to this day with Lord, please give me peace and contentment in your plan for my family. Uh, it, if I'm not walking through this with a smile on my face and glorifying God for everything that he's doing, even when it feels hurtful to me and know that it is for a greater purpose and a greater good. And that one day I'm going to look back and say, this all makes sense now. I understand it now. You know, I don't, I don't have to just, just because I'm going through a really horrible time doesn't mean I can't find joy in the Lord every single day. And it's kind of, you know, when Jacob wrestles with God and he says, you know, I'm not walking away until you bless me. And I kind of am at this point where I'm like, I'm wrestling with God and I'm saying, you know, I'm not walking away until you bless me. You are stuck with me. And until I can see why you put me in this, like, I don't want you to pull me out of it. Like if, if being in this means I'm going to be meeting you at the cross every single day and working through it with you until I can be there. Don't, don't, don't let me go. Don't let me go. So, um, I just sort of decided to change how I was doing all this and, um, got in touch with a ministry in Birmingham called blessed brokenness and brought a, faith-based small group support group to the Montgomery area for women who are going through infertility and, um, you know, pregnancy loss and infancy loss. And it has blessed me so much. And I truly feel like I I understand now why God is putting me like why this is all 
going on. It's making so much more sense than it was when I wasn't, when he was not a part of it. Now I can say he, he got me here and, and I'm doing something big with this circumstance. So that's one of the things that I just love about your story is you have the vulnerability of just sharing the, the moments of darkness, um, the days that you just couldn't get out of bed, the days that it was really hard on your marriage and the days that you were angry and, and grieved and, and felt all those emotions. And um, you have that side of your story. And I know that so many people can relate with that. And, and some people might even be in those moments now. But then um, to be able to, to take those moments of darkness and um, of grief and of pain and um, just frustration and be able to bring them to the cross, like you said. And that's why I know you talk so much about your time with the Lord in the morning. And you've shared this with me is because you wouldn't be able to go on without that. It's truly, I call it my um, spiritual workout. And to me, it's just very important that I get into the word. It's not like reading a devotion at night is so wonderful and helpful. But for me personally, I like to get into the Bible with a Bible study. It tends to be what I get the most from for me. And um, it's, it's what I need every single day to keep, to keep me on track for the day and to find hope in the day. Um, I think too, just realizing that knowing that God allows things that he hates in order to bring about things that he loves and getting into my Bible every single day, I get to see these incredible examples of these people who had faith through really, really horrible things. Uh, you know, Joseph, Paul, like all, you know, Ruth, like all these incredible stories of these biblical people who had faith. They didn't have a Bible to turn to. Like they were just, you know, we have this incredible thing that we can pick up and read about. I just think it, I I love being able to say, okay, I can look at this example in front of me. I can try and take something from it because I got to a point where the disappointment was becoming who I was. And I could not live in that anymore. That's such a powerful part of your testimony. And um, the there was a verse that I wanted to share from Second Corinthians. And um, it's in chapter 1, and it's verse 3. It says, All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. And this is truly the part that I was thinking about with you. It's verse 4. It says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. And so that's why I love the story of you starting a Bible study for other women that were going through infertility. You could have stayed in that dark place. You could have stayed in bed. You could have um, just really struggled. And like you said, just um, become someone who lived in disappointment. But you chose to just lean in to Jesus. And that's why you have to get up each morning and spend that time at His feet to just get the um, the, having the Holy Spirit live through you is the way that you um, are able to continue to go on in such disappointment. So when I was reading this, 
it just made me think of that very first story, the very first time that you told me about starting the Bible study before you had even started it. Um, we got to have a conversation and you were so excited that you were able to take your own disappointment and your own pain and be able to turn it into something good for God. And, you know, as your friend and, and thinking through asking you to do this, there were parts and moments that I thought, you know, I, it, I want to protect her and not ask her to share um, all of these hard things going on in her life because you are not on the other side yet. You guys are right in the thick of it. Um, just losing twins in the spring is still so painful, I know. And so um, just knowing that and wanting to protect you, but you still saying, you know, you said this yesterday, um, because I'm in the thick of it is why I want to share. And that was so powerful to me because I, as your friend, I wanted to not ask you to share because you were in the thick of it. And it was so difficult. And um, just losing the twins in the spring, I thought, no, it's too soon. Like, I don't, I don't want her to have to go through sharing that. But I was so just um, encouraged when you said that yesterday, that because you're in the middle of it is why you want to try to help other people who are also right in the middle of it. And then, you know, having the scripture and knowing that God has called you um, to help others who are going through the same thing is just so powerful and um, so encouraging. So um, I just want to end off with um, you sharing thinking through someone who might be in the middle of it right now. They have might have just faced their greatest disappointment in life with um, job loss or something to do with the pandemic or um, just any of the things that people are dealing with right now. What is it that you would like to share with someone who is going through the same disappointment that you have? What I always tell our, our small group participants is it's okay to be angry. It's okay. It's okay to ask God why. It's okay to yell at him. He, it's nothing he hasn't heard. Uh, I always kind of say it's, it's uh, that going to God in your weakest moment is kind of like how a child comes to a parent when they're sick. They just want that comfort. And that's exactly where he, he, he wants to get us into these weak moments so that we need him and nothing else. And I think it's when I realize like, it's okay for me to be upset and it's okay for me to grieve through this. And it's okay for anyone who's going through something disappointing to, to really feel that and to let that be okay. But then also know that it may feel like God's not there, but his hand is in everything. His hand is in everything. And we have to know that if we just kind of slow down and, you know, put our focus into him, we will see that he is governing our unmet longings. And if our focus is on him, then everything else will shift into place. And you start to feel a peace that even though your situation is really horrible, you begin to feel a peace that can only be provided by him. It took a long time to get there, but I got there. And, and I truly believe that when people are spending their intentional time in the word and really looking for 
these incredible examples of perseverance in the Bible and spending time in prayer with Jesus and surrounding themselves with people who love the Lord like they do. Like our life group has been a godsend for me. I truly feel that is in that moment when you may feel your worst, but it, that that's like that is when it all starts to shift and change. Well, your testimony is so powerful. And because of that, I'm just, again, so thankful that you were able to um, come today and just share it with us. And um, I just truly am thankful for your willingness to speak to other people who are going through the same disappointment. I have no doubt that people's lives will be changed through hearing your story and through um, wrestling with God on those same things. And so I would love to pray for you and just pray for those who are in a season of disappointment right now um, as we close today. Father God, we just love you so much. And Father, we are so thankful for this opportunity for Rebecca and I just to be able to have a conversation, Father, of true emotions and just to be able to share the things that um, she has struggled with in her honest disappointment with God. I'm so thankful for her willingness to be able to come and to share and God, all the things that you have brought her through and all the things that you have walked alongside her with in this pain and in this loss, God, so that she is able to comfort others now um, in her own grief, God. Um, We pray for those who are in the middle of their deepest grieving, God, and their deepest disappointment and their deepest hurt. God, we know that you desire to live in relationship with us and to walk alongside us in those moments, God. So I just pray that you will um, just comfort those, be with those who are walking through that, that they will find someone to reach out to, that God, they will turn to us, even Century Church, and um, just be able to have a real conversation about around what they are going through, God. And um, we just desire to um, show people how to live in a way that they can keep their eyes on you and knowing that you will help them each step of the way, God. So we are thankful that you are a God that does walk alongside us and hold our hands in the deepest grief and in the deepest disappointment, God. And we thank you for that. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.